0: from the Universal Studios back li- I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, hang on, hang on, hang on, live from the offices of Amblin Studio, I, I, nope, not, not quite, live from Neverland, this is Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet. I'm Kevin, as always, I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. Hello. Mackenzie, this is one of the biggest weeks in Austin Danger Podcast history. Um, the only way that this show could be bigger is if the guy who's doing the Super Mario Brothers movie randomly said, oh yeah, we're talking to Mike Myers about Shrek 5. Wouldn't that be funny, Mackenzie? That would be crazy. Maybe, you know, that could, that could happen any day. But until that day, this is already one of the biggest shows we'll ever do because the movie we're covering this week is Steven Spielberg's hook.
1: And I must say, I may be the super producer extraordinaire, but I would not be able to be super or produce or do really anything on this earth if it wasn't for the person who's joining us tonight. My fiance, Rachel. Hello. Yay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> easily the most easily the most mentioned person on the show. Yes. Besides maybe Alan Cumming or Malcolm McNabb.
2: I'll beat him out. I'll get there. <laughs> Watch your back, Alan Cumming. I doubt there's an episode I go by without
1: <laughs> mentioning
0: you, Rachel, truly. A, a 90-year-old trumpeteer is really going to have to watch his back in the alleys of L.A.
1: <laughs> we're flying out. We're
2: taking him down.
0: Rachel, you are a Hook super fan. Is that right?
2: Correct. Very correct. So who soon- better
0: to come on the show and celebrate with us?
1: So I texted Rachel immediately last week uh, and said, we're doing Hook. I got the text fuck all caps spelled f-u-c then fuck hook, all caps f-u-c-k then fuck with about 15 exclamation points and hook hook where is the hook 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 where is the hook i'm glenn close sobbing right now in the boo box so those were the messages i got and i felt like you know rachel really had to come in with that level of emotion for hook
2: what can i say i had no idea this movie was not universally beloved and every time I'm reminded of that fact, I, my whole paradigm shifts over and over again. I'm a spinning top.
0: Steven Spielberg's immediate reaction to making Hook was to go make Jurassic Park and change the world.
2: Hey, the thing is, though, he already did. I'm I'm happy for everyone who loves Jurassic Park, but the world already changed. He made Hook. World changed. <laughs> yes. So good for him.
0: We'll talk all about Hook. We'll cover it all. We'll talk about Albert Knobs and the Boo Box. We'll talk about how you can barely recognize Dustin Hoffman's face. We could talk about that song. That song. We'll talk about Julia Roberts' uh, personal emotional trauma. We'll cover it all. But first, you know, usually we like to start the show by talking about what we've been watching. And I think instead of, like, taking turns or doing that, we could talk about a movie that we all saw, the three of us, over the weekend that that really that we just really dug mm-hmm. The movie is Dungeons and Dragons Honor among Thieves, I think is the name of it,
1: yeah, yes, that is it
0: <laughs> You guys are far more experienced d and d players than me. But I thought that with one major exception, the movie was like totally perfectly anything you could want. It's a and d movie you could take your like friends to who don't play. And they'll at least, on a surface level, be able to understand why you like this so much.
2: I would say the presence of Chris Pine alone ensures that anyone who's not into D and D will get a, a real kick out of the movie.
0: Oh yeah, that's a beautiful man right there. He's he is. This is. I'm gonna plant my flag right here. Chris Pine is the best Hollywood Chris. Period. He
1: is. Absolutely. He can do anything. I don't know. People have their passions for Evans and Hemsworth, you know.
0: They have their passions yeah. for for
1: <laughs> the other one too.
0: <laughs> Moving on. Moving um
1: on. for Mario. They, they
0: are, they're passionate about Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move on.
1: <laughs> but he's a movie star. I love him. I mean, the whole cast is great. Even the people I'd never seen before, the actress who played the Tiefling, I'd never really seen her anything. She was great. Um, you know, I haven't really seen that um the Paladin actor Whose name I would butcher, but he—I've seen
2: him in for like an episode. Yeah, it's not—it's surely not Page. I don't know why. It is Page. It's Page. (laughs) Regis Jean Page. Regis Jean Page, the Paladin. (sighs) Paladin.
1: He—he was so good because he nailed that like self-serious Paladin bullshit that like like they all kind of had the archetypes of like someone's first D character but not in a bad way like not in like a like that paladin is absolutely the self-serious really devoted to his tenants kind of paladin that someone would play on their first go around and like that's not bad and yeah I, as someone who's been playing for a good chunk of my adult life i loved um hearing all, all the references to the, the lore of the forgotten realms and faerun like all the different cities the hearing the factions. word water
2: deep come out of <sighs> Hugh Grant's mouth—that was great. Whole new reality.
1: Whole new reality, and yeah, it. I loved like, you know, the the big bads were characters who were pulled from the lore. I loved the the Harpers and the Emerald Enclave, and just it was fun for me as a person who knows the lore to hear. The lore, as well as just see how, I don't know, it just really f- captured the essence of like playing with your group. Like it's fun, it's goofy. You have to pivot quickly because your plans almost always go wrong. But then you think of this really amazing creative thing that your DM has to roll with. Uh, so yeah, especially the ending, which I don't want to you know spoil. I think that had a lot of that energy of like, we're flying by the seat of our pants and we're doing the best we can. Uh, and that's really what D&D is. And so I think it really captured that energy, that essence, the vibes.
0: I loved the mimic tongue of the mimic was great um there there are actually there are actually two things the podzilla guys did a i i think it's a patreon exclusive episode on this movie and it's great people should check it out and uh support our pals but uh the bards are magicians Mm -hmm. right the music is magical and while i'm happy we got singing chris pine at all when are we doing into the woods i would have liked to have Um, seen um between that and like bardic inspiration come into play, I would have liked to have seen, you know, some more of that.
1: Yeah, I was said that we were talking to a friend last night. Um, who we both are currently; he's our DM right now in a game that Rachel and I <laughs> are playing together. And I also pointed out that like it was confusing to me that as a bard he had no magic. But Rachel, you kind of had a rebuttal to that.
2: I mean, it is a rebuttal. If it is the rebuttal, I don't know. But I think that without spoiling anything. Another character's magical abilities are kind of his arc, his narrative. So maybe they wanted to make sure like he's the magic guy. Yeah. And sure. He will be I get it. the magic guy. Whereas Chris Pine, he's gonna be Chris Pine no matter what.
1: Because <laughs> Paladins are also kind of magical, and I don't think we saw him utilizing
0: a ton of magic,
2: really.
1: He, did. he used he
0: used That's a sword. calming magic at a pivotal intro, like mm-hmm. his introduction is him using like a kind of magic but even then it's not i get to your point that is a really good point because you have to explain these things very clearly and succinctly and bardic magic and uh wizard magic are different yeah they're different a sorcerer i don't hey man i mean i only played this game for two years and it gave us this (laughs) podcast I, i don't know
1: there's also um, I've been seeing the director of the film has been posting a ton of amazing videos on Twitter of the uh, practical effects in the film that are just amazing, like the full era Kokra suit, the Tabaxi baby robot. These aren't spoilers; these are just creatures that are in D D that you'll see in the film, um, and they're all practical suits and effects and it robots. Like a
2: cool callback to like those fantasy movies with practical effects on set in real time that are a magic all their own
1: yeah like i feel like and we you know we shit on marvel a lot on this show but i feel like you know there's a difference between the dome and a set that is built and lived in and production designed and looks real because it is um yeah i think it just brings a new level i just love that blockbuster's are leaning more into that are leaning more into how movies used to be made. Uh, Cause I feel like Marvel's just had such a just oversaturation that the wheels are beginning to fall off and these blockbusters are kind of reclaiming themselves. And I think dungeons and dragons is a great example of a, of a really great, just like early summer, you know, spring blockbuster.
2: Yeah. As always, solidarity forever. Unionize, CGI artists. We believe in you. Yeah.
0: Let's get a strike going for the VFX artists to get them like fairly compensated, but even just as important, I'll say, because obviously that's key. Uh, Let's let's get let's get studio management who knows what they want early Mm. and and can plan to execute that. Instead of making changes and shooting forty-five minutes of Julia Louis Dreyfus and whatever else, um, anyway, anyway,
1: the, the the grudge you have against Julia Louis Dreyfus is so funny to me. She's in no here.
0: Julia Louis Dreyfus is one of the greatest actresses. She's uh, in the boot box right who has ever lived. <laughs> Kevin Feige is in the boo box for trying to make this happen. They're trying okay. to make her Amanda Waller in Suicide Squad. We're getting we're getting way out of the
1: for from here on out, we need to have like an official Austin Danger podcast boo box where we put the people that we that are on our shit list and Kevin Feige in the is in the ADP boo box right now.
0: Look, one day there's gonna be a, a way for you to watch Kevin Feige get put in the boo box in real time <laughs> on this show. It's a long way from now. We would have to have done every other superhero movie that has ever been made before 2008. That's true. But we will.
2: The arc of one time day. bends towards justice. <laughs> one day. Bingo. Go. Your time here is here coming, Kevin.
0: I-, I thought you were talking about the one on the call with us. and no, I was like, what the no, fuck? No. Rachel pulls so- out a gun and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say so yeah, we love Dungeons and Dragons. I have to tell you, going into it, I was like, this could really go either way. It went the good but way. But somehow they found it.
1: <laughs> and speaking of honor among thieves. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> Whoop, did What does it all mean, Basil? Austin News this week is jam-packed, so we're just going to get right into it. This is, again, this is one of the bigger weeks since we started. We're going to start with a couple of follow-ups from last week. Mike Myers, this is in Variety, March 29th. Mike Myers knows nothing about a Love Guru crew member being fired for looking him in the eyes, (laughs) says Actors Rep. (laughs) Everyone, of course, remembers the morning show DJ or whoever that guy was who was hired to be Mike Myers' bodyguard looked him in the eye and received word that without a word said to him by Mike Myers was fired from the love guru. And we know that Mike can be a little temperamental on sets. So we had said that I think his representation had gotten back to variety. A rep for Mike Myers told entertainment weekly, Mike knows nothing about this, not aware of anyone being hired or fired. When (laughs) variety asked them again, And they pointed them to the accurate quotes published by Entertainment Weekly. So there's that. That's the story. They're continuing to say, hey, we don't know anything about it. There we go. So that's the follow-up to that. Kind of nothing, really. Uh, Life goes on. No one knows anything about it, I'm sure. I'm sure even if he did know about it, he forgot about it. Life goes on. Speaking of life going on last week, I said an awful lot of things about Austin Powers and gold member star Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, I don't regret most of them, but I do think that at the time, the nature of her skiing accident trial was unbeknownst to me. Mm, mm-hmm. And maybe she should have won. I don't know. This seems like a really sad story.
1: I yeah I did do I did listen to another podcast that summarized a bit more because you and I both kind of like what even happened and it does kind of seem like this guy ran into her seven years ago yeah because apparently really there is. was a uh, apparently they were able to pull texts that Gwyneth sent her friend of that who she was with where the day before she even knew she was being sued the guy ran into her They, you know it happened she texted her friend like wow that guy really ran into me huh so like you know she didn't even know she was being sued at that point there was a lot and like he was saying he can't go to wine tastings anymore because of the brain damage he's sustained and that's easily proven false so yeah she did win a dollar right and she she only counters <laughs> she countersued was, for a dollar well, because she probably didn't give a single fuck i mean she i think legal fees as well but legal yeah legal
0: fees and a dollar
1: which is like to her like nothing so it's like i think that was very nice of her to not countersue him with for more probably
0: yeah, I, I would like to say that maybe I flew a little bit off the handle. <laughs> a little bit off the handle like Gwyneth Paltrow last week, basically for no reason. The memes But were I great, am though. glad. The memes were great. I'm a big fan. Some of the stuff she said did come off very funny. Yes. I don't regret what I said because she's detached from reality. <laughs> but, but I would like to congratulate Gwyneth Paltrow on winning her suit. Uh, For legal fees and one seventy fifth of the "This Smells Like My Vagina" candle from Goop and Heretic collab.
1: That's still out. Like they can they still sell those?
0: You can add you can add it to a wish list. Uh, There's even a. (laughs) Didn't
1: that like candle burn someone's house down? Wasn't that the big story that like someone's house burned down because from the vagina candle?
0: I I don't know anything. See now I I want to know what it smells like.
1: See now I am curious.
0: Well, you could also uh, rest easy knowing that Gwyneth won 145th of the value of the This Smells Like My Orgasm roll-on.
1: How does an which, orgasm uh, smell?
0: Like grass? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the flavor profile of the orgasm perfume is. I have to be real.
1: I I got to look up a YouTube review and see what, what, what her
2: orgasms
1: candles. and what vagina smell like. Is available
2: <laughs> yet.
0: What's most important about this, and we'll come to a close with the Gwyneth Paltrow, is that when she walked up to him, she is leaving after the sentence, the oh sentence, after the verdict, and she comes up to him, and this is why I'm not so sure I regret what I said. She goes, I wish you well.
1: <laughs> what
0: the fuck is that?
1: Kind of creepy.
2: Very creepy. <laughs>
0: I feel like you ought to know starts playing when she walks out of the courtroom after saying that. I wish you well.
2: I feel like that's goop speak for like, you sleep with the vagina scented candles tonight.
0: <laughs> oh, I love man. goop speak. Goop He's going to consciously uncouple that man from his soul.
1: <laughs> consciously uncouple.
0: Love Goop speak, yeah. So that's Gwyneth Paltrow news. Last but not least is the biggest story that we've ever covered on the show because it 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 is something in production that is substantial. Mm. Uh, certainly the biggest news we've covered since the Pentaveret almost a year ago. The new Morio movie is out, and uh, the founder of Illumination, the company that made that movie, is on is doing rounds, giving interviews about it. As you're hearing this, you may have seen the Mario movie. I think I will have, but that depends on if my mother wants to come in for Easter or not. It's Wednesday night, still hasn't decided, so. Anyway, all of this to say, Shrek 5 got teased by this grown man. Uh Illumination and Dreamworks are partnering together on a bunch of different projects and one of them is a Shrek 5. Here here are some of the quotes. And 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 before I read these quotes, I just want to say they feel very clickbaity and and weird, mm. the way that this has been plucked out. Because what you want to hear is they're going to make Shrek 5 and they're announcing it. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is they're thinking about putting it together. Let me just read the quotes. It's not that dissimilar to the process that we went through with Mario, where you look at what the core elements are that audiences have loved, and you do your very best to honor those core elements. And then you're hard at work to build story elements and new characters that take you to brand new places. The original cast referring to Shrek is a huge part of that. We anticipate the cast coming back. Talks are starting now and every indication that we've gotten is that there's tremendous enthusiasm on behalf of the actors to return. So uh, I don't want to spoil the movie because it's a really special, wonderful movie and it's on Peacock and you should watch it right now. But viewers, of Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. Not even because of anything that happens in the movie, but with the tone of that movie, with the fairy tale jokes, I was watching it. I've, I said on the show late last year when I watched it, these guys are ready to make Shrek five, and now we're starting to see the wheels start to turn. Rachel McKenzie, your reactions.
1: Rachel, Rachel and I watched Puss in Boots: The Last Wish as well, and there is a bit of a tease or a hint that they're maybe thinking of Shrek Five at the end of that movie. And yeah, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish is amazing. I love the animation style. I love the heart, the humor. I, if it's like these writers and these animators making Shrek Five, I am there opening weekend. Like, uh, and also probably because I will have a podcast obligation probably to see it opening weekend as well. But yeah, like I, I loved it. I was like ready. I agree. I as soon as it got done, we and Rachel loved it. Right, honey. I know. I don't want to speak for you, but I know we both also really dug it. And- hey,
2: if you, any kind of parable of death and I'm in, let's <laughs> be true. real. If they're gonna give me another Shrek parable of how to face your own mortality with dignity and care for the people around you, I'm all in.
0: Well, the other thing is, I really like Illumination stuff. Despicable Me has a big old place in my heart. I love those those little guys. The Lorax, Banana. I um. I got free tickets to the Lorax in IMAX 3D, and I went thinking, like, it's a Tuesday night. I'm wasting my life. Let's just go see the Lorax. (laughs) And I was amazed. It was so amazing. It was great. So I don't know. I have a lot of faith in Illumination. I'm excited for the Mario movie. I think that they, with this DreamWorks team, could really make something special out of a Shrek 5.
1: I agree. And then if it gets greenlit, I feel like the road to Shrek begins on
0: ADP. I wonder the about The Road, to, road to, Shrek. to
1: Shrek. We'll have to figure it out. We got to get these Shrekies out.
0: <laughs> uh, the way, oh man, <laughs> that's not good. I don't like that. Get Look, these Shrekies Shrek out. Shrek and
1: Shrek 2 are like perfect movies to me. Spoiler alert. Those are perfect movies. and I cannot wait to talk about them on this show.
0: I have not, I've still never seen Shrek 3 or 4.
1: I think I've seen parts of 3. We talked about this last night, Rach, right? Like, I think we've seen parts of 3, never seen 4. Because 4 is when the babies come around, and I've never seen that.
2: The only thing about Shrek 3 that I remember is Justin Timberlake is in it. Yeah. And he has a line, it's the only time I've ever found him genuinely relatable and funny is he has a line where he's like, help, this terrible ogre is trying to relate to me or something of that ilk. <laughs> and at middle school, he was like, this is it. This is humor. I don't have to learn anything else.
1: So you're telling me your humor comes from Shrek 3's Justin Timberlake cameo?
2: I will not be slandered like this from Family Guy rep on this <laughs> podcast. Oh, okay. the sent me a
1: Family Guy video the other day, so you have two Family Guy motherfuckers in <laughs> this chat, Okay.
2: It's me against the world.
0: <laughs> I have nothing to add to that.
1: <laughs> we haven't even started talking about the real movie
0: yet. All right. Look, I just I just want to leave I want to leave it on this. I want to throw the gauntlet down. Okay. This is a promise to the listeners of Austin Danger Podcast from me. Mackenzie doesn't even know I'm gonna say this, <gasps> although I know spiritually she will agree to the spirit okay. of what I'm about to say. <laughs> the Austin Danger podcast wheel is big and varied. There are at, at least a thousand entries as far as you know, listener and four <laughs> of them are Shrek and two of them are Puss in Boots. And one is Shrek the musical, which yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't watch until after all that. So that's what seven out of a thousand. Okay. My promise to you, if somehow in the next four years, because <clears throat> a CG animated movie, you will you usually take about four years. If we don't cover the series Shrek, we will do the road to Shrek on Austin danger podcast. We will do eight weeks of Shrek. It's going to be so Shrek your head's going to spin. <laughs> That's how much I believe, by the way, that we're going to do the whole thing.
2: I mean, be careful. The wheel can hear you. The wheel is listening. I have it pulled up. It's
0: listening right now. We're not going to do Shrek next week. We can't now. <laughs> I fucked us. But <laughs> yeah. look... The point is, don't get your hopes up. It's still going to be a long time, but have faith. Watch the Lorax. Yeah, it. you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised.
1: We got to get into this. We got to dive in. Hook, hook. Give us the hook. Kev, bring us into the world. We got to get into the main episode discussion. <laughs>
0: Peter Banning is a corporate lawyer who just doesn't have time to pay attention to his kids. While in London attending a charity benefit for his grandmother-in-law, Wendy Darling, Peter's children are kidnapped, and a ransom note is left by a man named Captain James Hook. Grandma Wendy urges Peter to forego the police and rescue his kids himself, because, get this, they string you along for 35 minutes before saying the name Peter Pan. Peter doubts that he's Peter Pan from the jump, and even after Tinker Brockovich brings him to Neverland, right on the doorstep of Captain Hook. Hook, shocked to see a strange old man in the place of his former foe, is convinced by Tink to give Peter three days to train for battle. Tink brings Peter to the home base of the Lost Boys, who are still around, and their leader is Rufio, a uh, strange child. Over the course of three days that feel like 15 years, the boys teach Peter Pan everything that he'd forgotten over the years. There's also some creepy uh, romance shit with Tinkerbell, which we'll get to. Also, the movie stops cold for five minutes to show us the origin of Peter Pan, that he had uh, had, had been Wendy's companion and loved Wendy, but had chosen to become a real boy uh, and a real man and grow up when he saw Moira. Young, young Wendy is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Mind-boggling. Long story short, all of a sudden, after a long time, Peter finally gets in the swing of things. He's able to imagine grand feasts and best Rufio in uh, an insult battle. Finally, his happy thought materializes the birth of his son, Jack, who he blew off all the time. And Captain Hook spends the whole movie courting. It's amazing. Anyway, now that he's able to fly, and with the combat skills the Lost Boys taught him, Peter kicks ass, and the giant statued corpse of the famous crocodile puts an end once and for all to the man known as Hook. Bob Hoskins plays Smee.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: This one was hard. You try to fit everything in there, but so much goes on in this movie. It's tough.
1: There's a lot. And hey let me just say, because first, normally we get into the histories with the, you know, the filmmaker with the the movie. I say, why don't we start with our guest? Cause Rachel, we didn't really get into like who you are other than my fiance. So, you know, <laughs> sure. maybe, uh, you know, give a little history about maybe Steven Spielberg or Hook or, you know, anything you'd like to about this movie. What, what's, what's up with Hook and you?
2: Um, I guess, this is the first time I remember watching a movie riff on beloved IP in a way that elevated the material for me. Um, As someone who has played a central character to the plot, Liza the maid. um, Oh my God. Yo, no way. Uh, I really love how much this movie loves its origins sometimes you watch a reboot or an adaptation where it's very clear that they're, uh, apologizing for why it's there at all. But this movie Mm -hmm. is like, have another Easter egg, have another Easter egg. Um, and is, uh, I don't know. I feel like if you come to this movie as a child, the way I did, it's very easy to forgive. It's, um, flaws such as Tinkerbell inexplicably being, in as McKinsey put it, in carnal love with Peter. I, yeah. Finn. I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> I,
1: read, I was like, why does Tinkerbell have carnal love for uh for uh old Peter?
2: Yeah, I feel like my history with this movie is watching the uh the imaginary food fight scene and uh feeling alive and as if I too could imagine a feast.
1: I didn't grow up with this movie actually. Like, I feel like most people our age, like, heavily grew up with Hook. And I have a vague memory of watching it, but not in a way that resonated with me where I watched it again. Like, I did not watch this really past maybe one time as a child. Uh, And then in college, I have a dear friend named Rebecca who loves this movie. Um, A lot of movies we began to share together as we became best friends, one of which being George of the Jungle. Um, but a big one being this, and really the me, the reason why we loved it so much is because we would constantly imitate Liza when she has her hand on her forehead and it's shaking and she goes, and the children were screaming. The children were screaming. And we used to say that basically all the time. Um, so Hook became like a, a semi-regular film I watched in college. Um, still like never an all-time fave. And then began dating someone who loves this movie. And so we watch it pretty regularly because my fiance, as you just heard, loves this movie. So, uh, Kev, what's your
0: history with hook? I didn't see hook until 2020. My truth. Oh. I just had never seen it. I'd never run into it. I was also not a big Peter Pan fan. Mm. I was just like, not never really into Peter Pan. So that was not attractive to me. I had my own Robin Williams movies like the Birdcage, which we did earlier this year. Or in my angry teen phase, uh, the Bobcat Goldthwait movie, World's Greatest Dad, which I loved a lot. I will say I loved, uh, I've been thinking a lot about why movies that feel like this one resonate with me. And it's because the first movie I saw in theaters was Batman Forever. And while I didn't love Hook as a kid, because I just didn't see it, I didn't have access to
1: it. Mm -hmm.
0: I certainly loved Batman Forever. And there are many similarities to how this movie is made that blew my mind on this rewatch. So I, I had like very little history. I really, I enjoyed it three years ago as an, you know, as an adult, but uh, you really got to grow up when we grew up to get the most enjoyment out of hook. I feel like, because there's, we'll get into it. There's a generational divide Mm -hmm.
1: for sure. What do you mean by that? Do you mean like kids who are like zoomers are just like out on hook? What's the, what's I think, the zoomer no, the coalition on the Hook? opposite?
0: Really? I don't know what the children think about anything anymore. <laughs> I am. Look, look, even when I was in, in my prime of relevancy, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Ever. <laughs> Please make no mistake. The young children, I have no idea. There are people with very important, like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know these children. But, but my, my was the opposite where the millennial kids love hook and they love the adventure and they love the scope of it and everything. And if you're an adult, you'll come in with a, with preconceived notions is the, is probably why this happens and leave with like a fun family adventure. uh, Looks like it was shot in a warehouse. Feels like almost a riff on Batman, uh, 90 hours long and just dense and weird and a bit more straightforward than Spielberg's other movies thematically. It would seem to an adult like a step down. And that's the, that's the barrier. Mm. And Spielberg even thinks this about this film.
2: That's wild. It's also just unbearably earnest. Like there are multiple moments where like even as a kid I felt like I had to hide my face in the pillows because it was too much for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so real and so into itself. In a way that like know in a, in a way that only he could do although he's doing it in a completely different style I
1: think that hook for me is a movie that grows for me on each watch like I even like yes. I feel like it's a movie that like I I enjoy it more the more I just let myself love it yeah and it also gets into that thing of Rachel you kind of hinted at what you were saying about how I mean we are drowning in IP riffs right now I mean with the last like t- 10 years of media and so I think that watching it in 2023, I, I can see people being exhausted by it because it's like, oh, this happens all the time. But it's like, this wasn't happening as much when this movie came out. You know, this movie did feel unique in a sense because it wasn't, we weren't, I, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I wasn't technically alive in <laughs> 1991, 92. Um, but, you know, I feel like maybe that's another reason why sometimes people get bitter about it is because we are quite oversaturated in similar content.
0: I will say that Hook is one of the second or third steps past Batman, Mm -hmm. which it cannot be overstated how big of a deal Batman was as a riff on an IP. Like Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy was made at the same time. Yeah. And the sensibilities in LA at that time were so similar that it feels like a riff without even being a riff It came out the next summer. How could they have known Mm Mm-hmm. So it does benefit from being at the beginning of that wave that crashed on the shores of our lives and uh, now we live in a hellhole <laughs> of the same old the same old stuff um,
2: it does sit in a weird spot because Peter Pan is like everybody knows Peter Pan and part of it is because your middle school did it and part of it is because of the Disney cartoon. but uh, other than other Peter Pan adaptation and I developed an entire personality around 2003 Peter Pan Mm -hmm. Uh, like it's rare to see it go back to the actual Barry story it's like other other versions take sort of the structure and are like but let's make it silly but Peter Pan at its core is very anxious about death very anxious about adulthood very preoccupied with like I don't know. These kids are all in mortal danger all the time. All adults are pirates uh, and all adults will kill you, I guess. And uh, this movie doesn't shy away from that. If anything, it like takes those themes and leans even harder into them. I think that might
1: be why as a kid, I was really confused by this movie because I think I remember being little and being like, is he actually Peter Pan? I don't get it. Like, I I think it went really over my head as a kid because I, couldn't quite tell what they were trying to do and obviously as an adult i now see uh, yeah there's a there's a very unique quality to it rachel with jay and barry is a character in this world like the man who wrote the book It's just like some guy who was their neighbor was like
2: oh it sounds like you had a fun
1: time (laughs) insane lore choice but like interesting to give him a place in the story and almost canonize the story of jay and barry a bit in an interesting way yeah
2: Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie Smith's reading of like, and James, what was it? Mr. Barry, Sir James next door. I was like, that's so cute because for the the real life version of Wendy in this story, he was just like, Sir James, Mm -hmm. the guy who was interested in the thing that they said that happened to them that their parents were like, I don't think that actually happened. Weird that you disappeared, but since you're back, we simply won't unpack any of this. And I guess the like, half a dozen orphans you brought home
0: (laughs) the man who sold our lives jm barry
1: (laughs) yeah truly we saw no money from that uh we uh i mean it seems like she's it seems like she's rich in some way hospital
2: yeah Yeah, that townhouse is who that's a that's a beautiful house can i do the thing i'm not too worried about it to guide our
1: conversation sometimes i do this with movies that i spoiler alert like a lot of and there's like one or two things i don't like i liked i feel like i like to get the negative out of the way and I gotta
0: say, that's a that's a good My idea. two
1: major problems with Hook is, as mentioned, I hate Twi- Tink's carnal love for Peter and that romance An subplot. Choice. Combined with the fact that he's married and also his grandmother, quote unquote, has also a thing for him, the 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 sexual politics in this movie fuck me up. And <laughs> I hate Rufio dying. Rufio dying feels so pointless, and it makes me angry. And I looked up, and I know, don't yell at me in our DMs or our emails the screenwriter said that like Rufio has to die to show Peter, like there was real danger for children. I need to get my kids out of here. It's supposed to be a sobering moment for Peter, but I, I hate it. I hate that Rufio fucking dies. Cause yeah, yeah. it makes me angry.
0: It, it speaks to a larger issue, which is that it's a sobering moment in fucking Peter Pan. Mm. <laughs> and I know like the J.M. Barry J.M. is dark, but, but the whole movie here's, here's, here's an issue I had and we'll get to Julia Roberts in a moment. I didn't forget. I don't know what this movie is supposed to be. Is it supposed to be, there were, there were like huge stretches of this movie that was like, are we in the Schumacher Batman? Are we in like a Tim Burton take on Peter Pan? What is this movie even aspiring to be? I was, I was this, this is the second time I've seen it. And even then I was like a little confused.
2: This is it, where is this I'll one. be bold and say that whatever Spielberg was attempting to accomplish with The Fablements, and I think The Fablements is a fine movie, and uh, I don't want to i don't debate like, I whatever. We I both don't debate, didn't like it. Don't lie on air. <laughs> I don't want to debate The Fablements, but I do feel like I have a more complete understanding of where Spielberg was at artistically with his relationship with his parents and especially with his father and his own fatherhood based on this movie yes. and it is fascinating to me that he takes Peter Pan which is fundamentally about someone who doesn't want to grow up but is not really like what 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 does Peter the character get out of not growing up other than like I will be hunted down by pirates but I I get to do whatever I want like there I feel like adulthood is this exchange of like the safety of childhood versus the autonomy of adulthood. And Peter, for Peter, it's flipped. So then adding on top of that, the idea that like maybe the real danger of adulthood is you get into relationships with people, you make the choice to make connections with people, and then you might lose them. Which is, it makes Rufio's death interesting to me because Tink is the, Tinkerbell is the, The danger moment in the original source material. Mm -hmm. And she comes back because he loves her so much. The sheer force of his love is enough to revive her from complete death. She does die. And, like, as a child, you also have that experience of, like, if I clap hard enough, this bad thing will be reversed, which is what a fantastic gift to give to a child. But in this, it's like he has to accept that, like, I love my kids and I could lose them, (laughs) which is just wild. Very wild for Spielberg to be like, I want to tell a story about a father realizing that his children might die by him being Peter Pan.
0: Right. And Peter Pan, I mean, let's just get right to it. Robin Williams looks just like Steven Spielberg in this movie. Mm. It is uncanny. Mm. You can pull up, images of the two men at like red carpets or whatever they're wearing the same type of glasses they have the same type of hair it is uncanny how close they look to each other two uh peter banning is a um he's like a mergers attorney (laughs) but he's a business mogul right and this was the period where like universal studios spielberg had cut a monster deal on that he was mulling over making his own product like his own production company that would be uh it would be DreamWorks, right? Like he is making business moves in a big way. And I don't want to extrapolate because I was not there for the, the raising of Steven Spielberg's children, but it's not that far of a stretch to imagine that this is Spielberg literally uh, putting himself as Peter Pan, the boy with a wild like the man with the wild imagination, who's a business mogul who doesn't spend time with his kids and fights with Dustin Hoffman all day, <laughs> And that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. And again, although Fablemans was, again, every Spielberg movie, but Warhorse, including Warhorse and especially Warhorse, is a better look into his mind than the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. But this one feels very close. It feels very
1: personal. And I think that, like, yeah. Robin Williams, since we're on him, I mean, gives an amazing performance and. I was saying to Rachel, like his string in the nineties is just so unstoppable. You know what I mean? Between this, yes. obviously we talked about the brilliance that he is in the birdcage, obviously his Oscar mm-hmm. winning turn and Goodwill hunting. Like he is doing some phenomenal stuff. He's just such an amazing actor. And I think he is so uh, wonderful and brilliant in this movie because he's able to play both sides of the coin. And when they, when he flips into Peter Pan he plays the difference between Peter Banning and Peter Pan so deftly and so interestingly yes. and and like you know he plays that sort of like he's losing his mind not in the way I typically mean it but he's losing the idea of Peter Banning as he's becoming more Peter Pan and forgetting who his kids are and in I think it takes a really great actor to be able to pull off that le- I don't know that level of character work that's happening with the the mental changes that is happening with Peter Pan um yeah he's just amazing in this robin williams is amazing in this
2: prison barber mother lover Nearsighted gynecologist in your face camel cake in your rear cow derriere.
1: lying crying spying prying ultra pig
2: you lewd crude rude bag of pre-chewed food dude Peter! Peter! Peter!
0: You man stupid stupid man
2: rufio if i'm a maggot burger why don't you just eat me you two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming paramecium brain, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy. What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is. That's a paramecium. It's a one celled critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Benny,
1: Benny, Benny, Benny,
0: Benny, yeah, this was the second movie he had done. Dead Poet Society. Yes, the previous I year. Yes, I knew there was another one. And wow. that is really the beginning of what i call the mushy like the mushy era all of these movies like jumanji he plays it he obviously he has his his, (laughs) you know high energy i do too he has his high energy scenes in jumanji but he plays very tender very kind it all culminates in bicentennial man one of the worst movies ever made um I actually don't know. I feel I, like it's weirder than it is I bad. My I
1: loved that movie as a kid. Like I have such vivid memories of watching Bicentennial Man with my mom a lot and I don't remember anything about it.
2: <laughs> I've never seen it and I feel like I have to go check it out we now. We should watch it. It'll, I, it'll, I'll probably Coming cry soon, at future it. future episode. I don't know. I always fall on the side of like, I feel like Jumanji is similarly maligned in terms of like child IP. Robin Williams is there. Complicated uh, feelings about childhood. But did we like it? Sources vary. But he just is in this. He like he's so. I don't know. He's so open. He's so he plays. He plays the the he goes to to the extremes. Well, because you have the childishness of Peter, you have the forgetting, you have the like joy of rediscovering. But he also plays a dad who really doesn't know how to be a dad to the kids that he has really well you can see him trying to connect with his son Jack in particular and it does feel very raw and real even when he's saying objectively ridiculous things like when he snaps at Jack like don't be such a child you believe it (laughs) Robin Williams is being so so mean and you believe it Speaking of being so,
1: so mean, I feel like we got to talk about the other heavy hitter in this film, Mr. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, who you were making fun of a bit at, at the top, KeV. I'm curious how you feel about Dustin in this movie. I actually love Dustin Hoffman in this movie, and it's only maybe partially because I have projected myself and Rachel's relationship onto Hook and Smee's yes. relationship. Um, yes. Uh, not, 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 <laughs> okay. not, not totally. I don't want to... KeV made a funny face. It's mostly the part where Hook is like, I'm going... <laughs> And he's like i'm going don't to try to stop me Smee. Yeah,
2: i'm going to don't kill myself don't try to stop me Smee. Smee, don't try to stop
1: me and to oh no, me like oh no you don't and like gives him a kiss very softly and knows it's not serious <laughs> at all um that is what rachel and i joke that we are because one of us will just like Ugh, i want to die and the other one's like no you don't kiss <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of our relationship so um but yeah doesn't often i love him as hook i think he's fabulous i think he's having a good time he's He's a weird actor, but like he's, most, dressed to the the nines. he's one of those actors who every time I'm like, I don't like Dustin Hoffman. But then every time I see him in something, I'm like, do I like Dustin Hoffman? Cause you know, I like him in All the President's Men, which I watched semi recently. Tootsie, which Excellent. I think is a not greatly aged film. He's actually pretty no. good in. I think though the story I mean, watch
2: Medici back to me if you wanna if you wanna <laughs> talk about in Dustin Hoffman. It
1: again. Oh my gosh, a show that only Rachel has watched um and some show
0: it's like
2: medici masters of florence masters of florence you ever you ever wanted to get into the medici family and wanted to watch dustin hoffman uh not even bother with an accent everyone around him is doing (laughs) an accent he's like i'm doing the godfather if the godfather was bad (laughs) and set in medieval italy
1: i was really in the trenches during rachel's medici era i need everyone to know that and
2: you will be in the trenches again because it (laughs) it 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 always comes back around it It never goes away forever but anyway i was saying like i i
1: don't think of him as an actor i typically love but then when i see him and stuff i always enjoy him a lot
2: he plays he's uh, the thing is hook is the character that i associate the most with like terror of death and anxiety about death because he hates time he hates clocks he doesn't want he doesn't want that reminder and like he'll he'll create a trophy out of the thing that tried to kill him and i guess didn't for the purposes of this movie and he's obsessed with legacy to the point that he could have an easy win like peter pan is just some guy now like you win man you win you don't have to to do all this but he's like no it doesn't count unless we're both at top form. We're both in good form. It doesn't matter. He has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. Otherwise, who am I? I'm the guy who defeated some guy. Not good enough.
0: <laughs> can I ask a difficult question about Dustin Hoffman's performance?
2: Please. Oh, boy.
0: Isn't he just doing a Tim Curry impression?
2: The best actors are.
0: <laughs> That's fair. A good can.
2: actor is doing Tim Curry. <laughs> Confirmed. Demolished.
1: I mean, I think Tim Curry would be a dream cast in this role. Tim Carey, Tim Carey, Tim 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 Curry,
2: does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's my drag name, Tim
2: Carey. I feel like Dustin Hoffman, yeah, he's kind of doing a Tim Curry impression. But whereas with Tim Curry, there's always a whimsy. With Dustin Hoffman, no matter how whimsical and foppish he's being, there's always this threat of like, this is dark, but like, oh, I believe he'd kill a child. <laughs> Whereas with Tim Curry, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess. I think he's very scary sometimes. But doesn't Hoffman, I'm like, yeah, he did it. He did it.
0: Sure. Feel bad. That makes sense. It's no just terror. He
1: brings a danger. I agree. Like, I think just from the kind of actor he is, he brings a danger to Hook that, like, he can play that comedy. Cause, like, Hook is inherently funny, right? Cause he is this foppish, you know, kind of goofy uh, villain. But. I do think that Hoffman is able to bring those those levels of yeah of fear and real danger to hook when he wants to especially in the end. We're all nodding. Silently. I feel like
2: there's a good ratio of pathetic to um, malicious
1: mm-hmm.
2: with his hook oh. and <laughs> that I feel very comfortable being like haha there he is this man went to Eaton what did you do with your life my man you're scared of clocks and then like Rufio man, don't go for it. Don't go after him. You think you know how this story ends and you don't. Oh, my child, before you were born, your parents would stay up all
0: night together just to see the sunrise. Don't be frightened. Maggie, before you were born, they were happier. They were free. You are
1: a bad man. Smee flunk the maggot. Perhaps a flogging loom. Come in,
0: come in. Come on, come on. He gave me enough. Jack. Your father went to your sister's
2: school play, did he not? But did he go to your baseball game?
1: How'd you know about that?
0: He missed the most important game on what might have been the most important day
2: of your young.
0: I want to tear your hook off. You
2: see?
0: I hate I hate you, Mr. Hook.
2: <laughs> what did I tell you, Spee? No little children love me. Oh, did I do. Uh, tell uh, it you get
0: that little little there. Jack, you listen to me. Neverland makes you forget. Never forget mommy Thanks. and daddy. Think of a way to run home, Jack, run home. Run home. Jack. Uh.
1: Well, I mean, the only other really big, big, other than the kids, maybe, and and obviously our, our boy Bob, is Julia, which we said we were going to get into. So I feel like maybe she's yes, the last big, the big it. one we well, hit on.
0: So, look, Julia Roberts was having a really hard time in this she period. She what,
2: 23? She's young. She was she's a, a baby.
0: Today, a Zoomer, you would call her at this time. Uh, I, think, I think Kiefer Sutherland had just cheated mm-hmm. on her and she found out about it. And then she has to come to work and she's on a green screen against nothing and nobody.
1: Being put in the worst wig, maybe, ever crafted on God's green earth. That wig is a hate
2: crime against me specifically. The psychosexual dynamics of whatever Spielberg decided Uh, Tinkerbell needed to be were wrong. It was the wrong choice. There's so much love for the story that I feel like I can't, I can't be like, Oh, well he just, whatever, but baffling, a baffling decision to have Tinkerbell. Her whole arc revolves around
1: wanting to be with Peter. And it's like really creepy and bad.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't even remember how that ends.
1: It just like, she just like accepts. She'll never be with him and like cries and is like, but I'll always love you. Like as
2: if they had this huge fucking like David Lean brief encounter romance or some shit, like Carrie Fisher's did a bunch of script work for this, yes. and she did the line that she tells Peter when they both come to the mutual conclusion that a grown man who is married with two children currently in mortal peril and a fairy should not have a romantic relationship. Where she's like, You'll always find me in that place between sleep and dreaming, and it's beautiful. beautiful one, Carrie Fisher, but um, every time I hear it, I'm forced to confront I just have so many questions and none of them go to happy places no happy thoughts there
1: (laughs) and outside of the Peter stuff she just doesn't
2: have a ton to do um well I mean the thing is the Peter stuff can't it's fine that she's the sidekick that's her role like it's good that she's like hey uh maybe don't kill his children right now maybe don't kill Peter I can get him back into fighting shape and it's good that she's there to to do that but um why would and even some of the things like I love that like when she allows herself to feel the love that she has for him suddenly she's a she's she's a adult human size because that's how big she has to be to feel that feeling Weird. but um it could have been platonic and it would have well, been more. Resonant. You know I'm
1: thinking of the cartoon now my only other touchstone and she is kind of jealous of wendy in a in a way that i also yes. recall making me feel weird when i watched the cartoon that like he is a child in that and tinkerbell is weirdly antagonistically jealous of wendy so maybe they're trying to riff on that but make it less and they made it more weird is what i'm saying uh, but maybe i'm they tried where to make it less weird trying and to and pull it the from the opposite direction. yeah i'm just i'm seeing where maybe they pulled it from but just dis- i hate it
2: and also like, yes, her je- she's jealous of Wendy, but she's jealous. sorry, to- <laughs> I'm a Peter Pan head. Uh, she's jealous of like the importance that Peter is giving to Wendy. It's the equivalent of being like, who's this rando? We've been running around the woods together for ages. And this chick tells one story and you want to bring her back and restructure our entire lives around her, which is valid. I'm on, I'm on Tink's side. Wow. Uh, do not think that it has anything about wanting to marry him. She's a fairy. Like, come on, man come on and like the mermaid thing like whatever I I see you Spielberg (gasps) I'm 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 seeing you I'm perceiving you and you may not like the way in which I'm doing it mermaids are the hottest women I've ever seen in my life (laughs) feminist brain versus gay brain yes (laughs) very hot but I want to know why (laughs) I don't care why
1: they're the Randy Roundtable obliterated in the sea (laughs) like they are insanely attractive women and every time that they come up i go oh, the mermaids are here i like remember that they appear in this film and i just have to put every device i'm holding down and fully enjoy the 30 seconds of these gorgeous mermaids
0: i have no mermaid takes <laughs>
2: <It's
0: a no laughs> comment, no comment. all right so sun's getting low in the sky so i'm going to bring us into popcorn notes okay bob hoskins brilliant we love bob hoskins if if the wheel treats him right, who knows what could happen to him next year at the Austins? I love that Smee knows the Peter Pan lore. How the hell would Smee? Besides the fact that it's and this is why I love it. Besides the fact that it's really fucking funny that that Smee knows anything about this. The fact that Smee knows all of this and could just dispense like, oh, it's because he wanted to be a uh, wanted to grow up and he forgot and he left. That, like that's so. <laughs> Funny, that's so brilliant. I have, I have a note. This is just what I wrote. I've already said it a couple times on the show. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Glenn Close banned to the knobs box. <laughs> Glenn Close appears in drag. She is immediately banished to the 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 what is it? the What's boo it box? The boo box. The have boo, an box. Official
1: ADP boo box. Now we got
0: to know <laughs> the name. That's right. I'm keeping this bit up. That's right. <laughs> it's the last thing I do. And I just thought that was funny. You know what the thing is? Is I thought there would be anything to that to talk about. I just wanted to say that out loud. She
1: looks great. We got to mention Glenn. She looks amazing.
0: I loved Rufio's pro wrestling entrance. I know we're not over the Glenn Close deal. Um, but I loved Rufio's entrance. I loved the size and the scale. I talked about Batman as a reference point, but. A lot of movies in this period felt like this. This was like the last few years of epic meaning like we built a giant set on a soundstage and everybody's hanging out. Doesn't this look expensive? Mm-hmm. And the, the production design is so detailed and layered. It's just beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah. pretty Insane production design in Hook's Quarters. Peter Pan fitness montage went on for quite a long time. The kids. Oh my God. There you are, Peter.
1: It's the moment moment of the movie. It makes me cry instantly when I, when he says that to him, I cry instantly.
0: a beautiful oh, moment yeah. but also <laughs> i'm so sorry i just received a direct message on discord <laughs> from Austin awesome danger podcast co-host and super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie wilkes of a tweet from my new favorite twitter account at hook movie wishing glenn close a happy birthday two years ago <laughs> i'm so negative you rachel and it's obviously It's obviously her trading card pose or whatever. Like they made a trading card out of this. They made like a merch or something and they had to put this character on something. And this is the production photo, but man, happy birthday, Glenn close.
2: I
1: just retweeted
0: that on my private
2: account. My (laughs) only regret about hook coming out when it did is that it means we will never get the gutless, the pirate as portrayed by Glenn close spinoff series
0: oh 10 prestige hours of hbo miniseries
2: box. about gutless's betrayal
0: <laughs> i love it yeah the kids you know that moment was cute but the kids sometimes are really that's another thing the behavior i understand that this is how the lost boys would behave but i don't know man i don't know <sighs> i love the kids just so odd i flipped out for gwyneth paltrow the clock destroying. I loved... Okay, so the kids are one thing, but can we talk about the love that Dustin Hoffman feels for Robin Williams' son in the baseball game? That was scary.
1: Yeah, that whole storyline is very strange and interesting, like pitting Hook and Peter up as fathers against each other for uh, for Jack's love is, is very strange. Um, but it is a really I mean, interesting, compelling part of the movie watching this kid get... It's interesting. Something that's interesting to me is how quickly he gets sucked into Neverland, where the sister never quite seems to to fully fall into the kind of. It seems like Neverland maybe warps your brain a bit. The longer you're there, the longer you yeah. lean into it, like the Feywild in Dungeons and Dragons. And um, yeah, it's interesting how quickly he falls into it and like begins to forget about his life and really just accepts Hook as his dad.
2: I mean, I think half the battle is that he has accepted that. Peter won't be his dad, right? And there's a big gaping hole where he needs he needs someone to reach out their hand, and who does it? But Dustin Hoffman as Hook, although Smee is 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 definitely carrying a lot of a lot of I mean, weight co-parenting. in co-parenting. Yeah, in the in the parentoid. Absolutely. Gambit. I'm not just saying that because I'm Smee. So <laughs> I do think the fact that Maggie is less affected and she's the one who's like, he's just a mean old man who doesn't have a mommy. I think that Spielberg has a, has a thing about the female characters in this movie that I'm like, I wish you just talked about it with a therapist, but you made a, a movie that is two hours and 30 minutes long and I love most of it. But there is something to the fact that like, yeah, everybody's just fine with their not being a mom. Jack is like, yeah, sad, I guess. But what I really want is my dad there at the baseball game. And the fact that mom, Caroline Goodall, of Princess Diaries' mom yes. fame, uh, she's there. She's being supportive. She's also telling your dad, like, hey, you need to really step up because they won't be kids forever. So enjoy it. Team team mom. Team moms.
0: Hashtag team moms. The last thing I want to call out is the DP of this movie is the legendary Dean Cundy who is a major collaborator with John Carpenter and Robert Zemeckis. He shot movies like Halloween 1, 2, and 3, The Fog, The Thing, Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, future Austin Ninja Podcast classic episode, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Death Becomes Her, another future <gasps> yes, classic yes, yes, episode, yes, yes, yes. the live action. Okay, I'm just going to read the- this list off. Look at this run. Back to the Future, Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. Back to the Future sequels, which were shot back to back. Amazing. Hook, Death Becomes Uh Her, Jurassic Park, (gasps) The Flintstones, (gasps) Casper, Apollo 13, (gasps) Flubber, (gasps) Looney Tunes Back in Action. Excuse? Garfield, (gasps) Jack and Jill. (laughs) Now, I skipped a bunch of movies. The
1: ending. Oh, my God.
0: Look, the point is something was brewing at Dunkin' Donuts and this man was behind the camera when Al Pacino entered that store on that day.
1: Whoa.
0: What a career. Here, his, his photography is soft by design for a couple of reasons, right? This is a very tender, sentimental, like kind of a soup commercial movie. Mm. Makes you feel real good in the end, right? I don't mean that in a bad way also. I wasn't, I'm not making fun. But like... It's just so soft, and also humans have to blend in. You have Julia Roberts here, completely green screened in. You have characters reacting to matte paintings. It has to be soft so that that stuff can work. But that that also the scale and the soft photography. I don't know, man. I don't know. There's something going on in this movie that I just can't describe. It's it, it's interesting. It's interesting. It does look great. <laughs> That is my last popcorn note.
2: Rachel, do you have any popcorn notes? Any final little little poppy fun notes you want to share? I have too many, quite frankly. Um, but what I keep coming back to is uh, <laughs> the fact that, I don't know, I'm forever haunted by the play. Um, while I'm watching Hook, I'm experiencing five different versions of this story. Uh, and Hook is traditionally played by the same actor who plays Mr. Darling, um, so Hook is like in the original source material, he's the ultimate, he's the ultimate dad um, that Peter is rebelling against, and I just, I definitely hear you about some of the, the children's performances being a little bit grating to adult sensibilities, but there are so many line readings and so many moments that are just so purely, just a kid saying these lines that then compliments will williams's kind of childlike god the transition where he's going teddy teddy daddy daddy that's my happy thought um is it a popcorn note is it simply the thesis <laughs> of my existence who is to say lost us. <laughs> is that your popcorn now, or do you have any more I don't know. I, I've got, like, a bunch of silly notes, but... Uh, That's what popcorn notes are for, baby. I know, but it's, like, two pages long. <laughs> like,
0: Give us, like, five. Pick like, your faves. Maybe, like, three to five. Pick
2: your faves. Okay. This is who I am while I'm watching this movie. Um... I say things like adulthood becomes the realm of childish fears because you're more aware of danger and it can spiral so easily in parentheses mortality exclamation point. And then in all caps, why tell a child to grow up 10 years without visiting immediately followed up by Robin Williams just does stuff with his eyes. Um, I feel like <laughs> I'm both a child and an adult when I watch this, like I'm instantly rocketed back to like all those big Those fairy feelings of like, my body is too tiny to hold more than one emotion at the same time. And then the adult complexities of like, I sympathize so much with Peter's uh, feeling like he can't ever touch upon his childhood or something will happen. I think that it's an interesting look at capital T trauma. What is Neverland if not a land of so much trauma that's just not addressed? Um, So yeah, he can't go back to childhood because it's scary. He doesn't remember anything and he doesn't want to remember anything prior to coming to the real world and falling in love and starting to make adult decisions. Um, That's who I am as a person. And I would apologize, but Steven Spielberg devoted two and a half hours to making this as rad and as totally tubular as possible so I'll I'll spend a minute and a half talking about it in my little popcorn notes
1: I love it I just write a bunch of dumb stuff uh generally as I as I tend to do uh I did write the vibes are wild because she's like I was kind of in love with you but also you're my grandson now I guess boner killer (laughs) which I presume is about Wendy
2: (laughs) um Hey, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. (laughs) Camera three. What the hell? His kids were just kidnapped, by Um, the way.
1: (laughs) Julia Tink in the dollhouse is one of my favorite set pieces. It's very subtle. It's there for two seconds. but I love that dollhouse they built her to walk around in. Uh, It's brilliant looking. Every time, Rachel, I'm surprised you didn't say this. Every time we watch this movie, Rachel points out to me that the two people kissing on the bridge are George to Carrie Fisher and cameos uh the two people that the fairy dust raises into the air Uh, every time we watch this movie Rachel points that out to me and that's very lovely uh you know the connections to Spielberg with with Lucas and Carrie Fisher being a I assume we'll get into it with the Alan Parsons project but a script doctor on this uh film really lovely I I Literally, I'm obsessed with Glenn Close and the Boo Box. I think it's the best thing in the entire universe. Mermaids are insanely hot. I lost my mind for about, you know, five notes worth of notes. I do love The Lost Boys. I think Theo, oh, Peter, There You Are is the moment of the film. I wrote, uh, oh yeah, I love that Hook's, uh, Hook has a, like a night robe. He has like a night robe yes. and a cork. Like I love that he has
0: ways of sleeping. Yeah. I was going to call this out. Yes. The oh God, so why doesn't he just take off the hook? That was what was really funny to me.
2: Because every time he takes it off, he has to put it back on, and every time he yeah, puts hook, it back on, hook, there's a brief light hook, show. Hook. Oh yeah, everybody has to like oh, right, ring right, right, right. the bell and do a parade, and then when he puts the hook on, for some reason, it's like Frankenstein's, Frankenstein's monster vibes.
0: Fair enough. I guess it
2: would get
1: old. I was after sitting here trying to dissect what this note was, and I remember now. I wrote the baby flying is so funny. Because when it, Peter is a baby and Tink grabs his hand, the little baby is like starfish legs out, legs and arms out, being carried by Tink, and just the way that baby's body looks is profoundly hilarious to me. Peter kissing an unconscious girl—I was like, Sir, what the fuck? She's never even seen you, and you said you're gonna go marry her. Whatever, I guess it worked out. They have kids together. And I think my last note is, again, I just, I love, I wrote the transition from the hospital to the flying is one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. The moment from he's holding his son. It's just like a, it's like a, looks like a natural lighting transition, but it's, it's just this amazing tra- transition between being in that happy moment and being up in the air. Um, really great. And also I wrote the reunions as really beautiful, the reunion of the kids coming back and their mother holding them again and Wendy seeing Peter again but seeing him as Peter and not as the Peter he became. Um just the ending it really sticks the landing. I agree this movie is a 100 years long, but it really really sticks the landing uh with that ending.
0: Do we want to go into final thoughts and star ratings? We
1: got to, we got to keep moving.
0: We got to. This is hour 7 of this episode. <laughs> Uh, Let's start with our guest, Rachel. Yes.
2: Final thoughts are, I think that this is a movie that will be really easy to whiff it on. Uh, It relies on so many variables and so many people giving it 100%. And for me, the movie is sold because of There You Are, Peter, because of that transition from Peter in the hospital room and going, hi, Jack. And then that giving him the ability to quite literally fly but also the anguish that the character playing the character the actor playing jack has when he says he didn't even try we were right there and he didn't even try and he's bawling to captain hook it's hard to sell that especially as a child actor working opposite dustin hoffman must have been terrifying but like it 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 works. This is a four and a half star movie for me because I will forgive the weird sexual uh, undertones of some moments. And because I, I agree, I don't think Rufio needed to die. I feel like there's plenty danger. I understand why that decision was made. Um, but Dante Bosco, you were robbed um, and you are the coolest and a whole generation of kids now Chance Rufio whenever he comes on screen. And that's beautiful. He's the dad that stepped up. He's not the stepdad of Neverland. <laughs> the dad that stepped up. Rufio is the dad who stepped up. I thought you were a five star
1: on this movie. This was a shock to me.
2: I mean, five star for Letterboxd. Cause I feel like I have a reputation of being a big old sap to maintain.
0: I am at four stars for hook. I think it's great. I think it's really long. I think there are flaws with it. I feel like if I watched it 20 years ago, Maybe I would feel differently about it. That's about where I'm at, Mackenzie.
1: Yeah, I think last time I gave this, f- I gave it for the first time. I think the second watch I gave it four and a half. I think I might be sinking back down to four, only because I- maybe the magic didn't sweep me up as much this time. I wish I could be like four point two five. Honestly, it's one of those situations, because yeah, I love. I think so much of this is magical. I think that it is. Such a beautiful story about, yeah, yes, mortality and yes, fatherhood, but also just about like love and the way we love other people and the way we are allowed to demand respect from the people who love us. And it's just, it's a really beautiful movie. And there's amazing performances. It delights me to no end. But yeah, I hate the Rufio death, I hate the Tinkerbell and general treatment of female characters in general in this movie um, and the length. Mm-hmm. I just wish it was like a two hour movie. I do not think this movie needs to be through two and a half hours. There are certain sequences that last so fucking long, like just trim it a little bit. That'd be my preference. So yeah, I'm like, I guess I'm like four logistically for Letterbox probably but like 4.25 in reality.
0: And with that, it is almost time to close the book on hook the book. But first we must do our little show. You ready? Let's do it i love gold Gold. at the 1992 academy awards hook despite steven spielberg not liking it at all i don't know man (laughs) hook was nominated five times wow received nominations for art direction set decoration costume design best visual effects makeup and best original song what is that song we'll never know i was about to say
2: what the fuck song is in this movie Surely not Maggie's joint. I don't think so. Surely
0: not. I have no. I idea. was
2: beautiful. I don't want to malign this child's <laughs> performance. A, a beautiful quavering soprano of of truth and justice. Um, but Oscar is a weird choice, perhaps.
0: Let's take a look. When you're alone is the name of the song.
2: That yeah, that was it. That was that it. Was what the, the song?
0: fuck? <laughs> well, you know, the straight the, toad the, all the way. The thing that we need to keep in mind here is that the other the other nominees for this category were everything I do, I do it for oh, you. Oh wow. Which means that three of the other nominees and the winner come from a previous episode of Austin Danger Podcast. Uh, the songs Be Our Guest, Belle, and the winner, Beauty and the Beast from Oh my God. And the Beast.
1: Amazing um, year. Hell
0: of a, of a year to have written a song. <laughs> 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 good luck
1: no one is beating beating the beast like no you saved your dad
2: that. maggie you didn't win an oscar but you saved you saved your dad's soul so oh my god
0: hey speaking of maggie the other one i want to highlight on this list because there is there are actually a few um there are two more i want to i want to call out one is the american comedy awards you know we love the american comedy awards and in mm-hmm. 1992 dame maggie smith was nominated for funniest supporting actress in a motion picture
1: funniest
0: she was so what a laugh riot
1: what a laugh riot maggie smith
0: what a performance oh the stairs oh so funny so funny wait for hook yeah
2: this is a comedy performance
0: yeah it's hilarious apparently according to the american where comedy she like Awards.
2: Uh, bursts into tears and collapses in a dead faint when they discover that the children have been kidnapped by a man who has previously tried to kill her and her siblings? That's correct. Well, she should have won. Hats <laughs> off to you, Dame Maggie Smith.
0: The winner was the same winner as the Oscar Mercedes Rule for Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King, also featuring Robin Williams um, as oh, wow. a as an unhoused man in search for the Holy Grail. Jeff Bridges what? plays a Howard Stern, Don Imus type. Shock, shock.
2: Oh, that unfortunately sounds like it's right up my alley.
0: Uh, people mm. don't like it. I don't know. Julia Roberts was nominated for a Razzie for worst actress. Or worst supporting Whoa. actress, rather. Oh. Just saying it. It's out there. It's on the table. Our growing ire. I'm looking at... When I, when I think about the Razzies, I'm looking at the Boo Box. I gotta the be bo- real. <laughs> the Boo Box. I gotta be real. Finally... At the Young Artist Awards, Hook won Best Family Motion Picture and the entire ensemble of Lost Boys. Oh one Won Outstanding Young Ensemble lovely. cast in a motion picture.
2: Can I tell you a bit of completely useless trivia?
0: That's all we do.
2: Not all the Lost Boys in this movie were named at the time of filming, I guess. Not all of them had names. <laughs> but the name, Don't Ask was bequeathed to one of the one of the young child actors' characters for reasons that we can only guess at.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh. a lot of questions about the process, perhaps.
0: Tugging at the collar. Tugging at the collar, what can I tell you? <laughs> that is I Love Gold. It's time now for the Alan Parsons project. It is the segment where I put up fake quotations around the name where we link the Austin Powers trilogy to our movie of the week. Of course, the biggest links. Steven Spielberg, the director of Austin Pussy, was the director of Hook. And Gwyneth Paltrow, the star of Austin Pussy, is uh, young Wendy. I forgot about this and flipped my lid when (laughs) when Hook came up in the middle of this maelstrom of Gwyneth Paltrow stories. Wild. Some other names, some returning friends from the show, Malcolm McNabb, ADP legend, King. Don LaFontaine, King. Gary Burrett, Luis Tullio, the flautist, and, and a litany of others. There's just so many, so many, but the show, I think, has gone on long enough. So there you are. You're over there. We have one
1: you over there from a friend of Rachel and I's, Becca, who says, hook, hook, give us the hook. Hi, friends. Becca again. It's my duty to write into this one as the certified Robin Williams expert that I am, which is true. I don't know anyone who knows more about Robin Williams than Becca. Uh, Hook was a major moment in the robin Sans, Robin-sance, as I like to call it. One of my favorite uh, fun Robin Williams facts to tell people is that in the summer, Robin was shooting Hook during the day he was going and doing music rehearsals for Aladdin at night. Busy man. This was also the first time Dustin Hoffman and Robin worked together after this weird years-long dynamic where Robin kept picking up roles Dustin passed on, i.e. World According to Garp and Dead Poets Society, so finally seeing them work together was a major turning point. I think I'm kind of in the minority on Hook, as it scared me shitless growing up, so I didn't have the nostalgia rosy-colored glasses going in that a lot of other folks do. Before I started my Robin Williams project, I put out a feeler asking my friends what of, what of his movies meant the most to them. And by and large, Hook was the most beloved, the most revered, which I think is very interesting to me because it's not one of my more, more cherished favorites. I think Julia Roberts absolutely blows chunks as Tinkerbell, (laughs) among other things. However, I can't deny the absolute pure magic of this movie. Not only stemming from the sets, Dustin Hoffman gobbling the scenery like a Thanksgiving dinner and everything Bob Mm -hmm. Hoskins does, but from Robin's chemistry with the child actors, quote, parenthesis, if you pay attention, at one point you can see him mouth a line to one of the younger Lost Boys. I got to see this movie on the big screen in Repertory last summer, and admittedly fell in love with it, whereas I'm sure I would have if I had seen it as a wide-eyed youngster. I will wager that this movie has one of the top two food fight scenes in cinema history. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Bangarang, Becca. Hell
2: yeah. Thank you, Becca. Thank you for what writing doing in.
0: Amazing letter. Thank you. I have to know, Becca, if you're listening to this right now, please write back in with takes on Bobcat Goldthrates' World's Greatest Dad, <laughs> which is an extremely dark 20, uh, I want to say it's like 12, 10, 12 comedy.
1: And, Bicentennial,
0: 2009. Man. and buy, Bicentennial Man. And <laughs> Bicentennial Man. We have to Man know, takes. Becca.
1: Thank you again, Becca. If you who are listening right now would like to be over there, you can send us the guaranteed way to do that is to send us a voicemail or a letter at Austin danger podcast at gmail.com. Or we're not doing it this episode because it's a longy. but occasionally if we have time, if you tag your reviews, if you're watching along with us or you're watching back to old episodes, um, you can tag your letterbox review with Austin danger pod and we will find them as well. So um, that's not as reliable. So the guaranteed way is to email, but we'll find you. We'll share it on the show. We love you all very much.
0: Yeah, I also want to say, before we get into the wheel here, I want to emphasize that if you've ever listened to an episode of our show and you're like, damn, they didn't talk about this, or they didn't cover that, or they barely got to this, a great way to guarantee that we have to pay attention to whatever that is is by sending us stuff. And it's unlimited, too. I mean, granted, we're humans with lives. We're just normal men. We we, we may forget what happens in a movie. Um, but you could send us anything about anything and we'll probably think of something. So there you go. But anyway, but anyway, it's almost time to say goodbye at the 75 hour mark. I think we're uh, eligible for a Guinness world record at this point. (laughs) The wheel is finally lowering that intern doing the rope looks tired. So Mackenzie, why don't you spin the wheel? We'll send him home.
1: I am using a new random random number generator because we talked about how we don't like the Google ones. <laughs> I'm using a new one.
0: Oh man, the last time I used okay. a new one and it got us hooked by the way. So think about that.
1: Oh my god, is this what I think it is? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so Kev, this hasn't come up in a while. Um, But we did discuss at the inception of this show, if we have, because we have a couple franchises on the wheel, we discussed that if we land on a later entry in a franchise, we're going to go to the first movie. So it's like, it's kind of, so, so I've landed on a later film in a franchise that we have not started yet. So this means we are starting a new franchise. And this means that like the movie I rolled on isn't technically what we're doing because we got to go back. We don't want to watch out of order.
0: That's right. I had to Google sorry keep going. <laughs> this is this is amaz- an amazing milestone this is the first started journey geez i can't even remember certainly not this year
1: so i landed on the 24th film in this franchise
0: yo <laughs> um, we're finally doing it part. we're finally
1: doing it i landed on specter from 2015 which oh that movie's doing- terrible because we haven't started the James Bond journey. So I guess we are starting the James Bond journey, going back to number one wow. with 1962's wow.
0: Dr. No. Milestone upon milestone. I, can't, I literally, Danger I Podcast. rolled like
1: 74, which I saw Spectre and I was like, is that that fucking James Bond movie? And I, and I was correct. It is. Dr. Whoa. Dr. Whoa. I've never stopped there. Dr. <laughs> I've never seen this. I mean, I've seen like two James Bond movies. So this is a, this is
0: a journey. You've heard it here first. Finally, after a year, almost a year and a half of me saying, gee, it would be great to do the Bond journey. It'd be great to start the Bond journey on Austin pod. That's a great
2: uh, We Kermit, are wow. finally. That's a are, great Kermit.
0: <laughs> we're finally doing it. We're finally doing James Bond, uh, Sean Connery himself in oh. Dr. No.
1: Wow. 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 The wheel
0: said Dr. Yes. I'm going to just see. (laughs) But that's next week. If you want to watch Dr. No, watch Dr. No. Now we don't have a lot of time in between the episode going up and us recording it, but please like send us your Dr. No letters to AustinDangerPodcast at gmail.com. Review Dr. No on Letterboxd and tag AustinDangerPod, ADP, AustinDangerPodcast, just pick one. <laughs> let's all, as a community, pick one. Let's all let's <laughs> talk about it. But that's all next week. We'll talk Doctor No next week. It's time for me to go to bed. So until next time, <laughs> for Rachel and Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast. Peace.
1: If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie.